2: Talk is about to begin. Hey, hey, hey,
1: come on in. Welcome back to your Buckeye Talk podcast for Friday. It's Doug Maurice. it's Nathan Baird, it's Stephen Means. We're going to talk about cornerbacks and safeties. Talk to those guys on Friday morning. The last player interviews on spring football. This uh, They uh, practice this week, they continue to practice next week. Our only interview availability next week will be Ryan day on Wednesday when I assume we'll get kind of a structure for the spring game, get a plan for those kind of things. A lot of spring games this coming Saturday for some people. Clemson is this Saturday. Texas A&M is this Saturday. Michigan already had its spring game. The 16th when Ohio state does it is kind of like the big day. Uh, And then a bunch of other schools also have on the 23rd. So we're getting to that point. We're winding down spring football. And I would say uh, it's a good reminder of go to the spring game. I have been on record many times saying, take your kid to the spring game and tell them it's a real game. Like if it, and and guys, I actually would, would almost, I would like to do this with our texters 614-350-3315. I would like to hear, from people who are huge Ohio State fans, but have never been to a game in Ohio Stadium, And I'm sure that's a lot of people, right? Because whether you maybe are an Ohio State fan who doesn't live in Ohio, maybe it's just a thing where you've just been busy. You're busy on weekends. A lot of times it has become, unfortunately, cost prohibitive, even the quote cheapest games on the schedule. If you're trying to take a family there, you're looking at a $500 day. So Anybody that that applies to, go to the spring game. It's the stadium. The stadium itself is worth doing. It's the 100th anniversary of Ohio Stadium this year. Go to Ohio Stadium. It's a, it's a national landmark. Go experience it. It's all Buckeyes on the field. You're going to see some young guys that are going to be blowing up this fall or in future years. Are you going to see a ton of C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigman, Zach Harrison? I don't know. Probably not. But there's good players out there and eat a hot dog and walk around. So I'm very pro spring game, Nathan. And uh, I know Ohio State is sort of continuing to push like, hey, you know, come to the spring game. But sometimes I push back against stuff like that. I'm just I'm all in on this. Take your family to the spring game, especially I think it's supposed to be kind of nice. So it's not this Saturday. You have time. It's not this Saturday, the 9th. It's the next Saturday, the 16th. But am I too pro spring game, Nathan?
2: No, I really don't see the downside to it. I mean, you – yeah, and it's supposed to be like 54 and dry that day according to what we're seeing now. That forecast has changed a little bit. If you looked at it last week, I think it was supposed to be kind of cruddy that day and better earlier in the week. So keep an eye on that, I guess. But especially if you get a good day, I mean, you can just learn – so much you're seeing things firsthand that we've been talking about and that we've been trying to, you know, pull things out from behind the scenes. So just, just the same as we kind of see it as revelatory. I think fans would see it as revelatory as well. And you also get a version of the game day experience for a fraction of the cost.
1: Fraction, 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 fraction of the cost. What are the tickets? How much are they
2: usually like 10 bucks, five bucks, 10 bucks. I'll check on that.
1: I know so, it. so I would be, I would be uh, in favor of anybody thinking about it. Go attend those games. Steven, I would like to do, I can see us doing podcasts this offseason. I'd like to do one on if you've never been to a game at Ohio stadium, when, when are you planning to go? How would you like to do it? How much do you want to get there? What's it like rooting for a team when you haven't been there yourself? It's I, I'm not like, this is a very real thing. Sports are super expensive to go to these days, super expensive. And so I, I totally get it. It's not at all like saying like you have to go to a game to be a true fan. But then, Stephen, I also would be curious about. First time stories, your first game at Ohio Stadium, when was it? What was it like? How did it happen? What did it mean to you? We don't talk about it a lot, Stephen, but I hope we never lose sight of it, that going to a sporting event is a big deal and we get to go as part of our jobs but to go and sit and watch a team that you love in person is is quite a thing. And it can be very difficult to get that opportunity. But I think if you love a team, you kind of a lot of people do remember the first time you got to see them in person. Right.
0: Yeah. And those stories often varies for some people. Their first time is they went to the Michigan. Game. Yeah. That's a very different experience than maybe seeing you know them play Akron or Kent State. Or what if your first time is one of the few times over the past decade that they've lost? Did that ruin the experience for you? Or did it just mean, well, well, we're just going to go to the bar after this anyway, and it just gave us more reasons to you know, do what we were going to do anyway. So it's just the, the type of game you go to. Is it a big game? Is it a Big Ten game? Is it a top ten matchup? Is it just some random game where you know they're going to win by 60? All that plays into it, and so it makes for some interesting stories.
2: By the way, it's $7 tickets. It's free parking. Children six and under are free. And if you have a group of 25 or more, it's $5 tickets.
1: Okay. Plan to go if you can. Plan to go. I'm not trying to make Ohio State money. I'm trying to tell you guys it's worth it. I also would like to announce something today that I thought of 20 minutes ago. And I haven't asked anybody about it. But I would like to announce the formation of Buckeye Talk Studios. And the reason I would like to announce the formation of Buckeye Talk Studios is because a lot of people are talking about Winning Time, the HBO miniseries about the Showtime Lakers. And on our latest College Football Survivor Show podcast that Shahan Jay and I do, we had on Joe Goodman of AL.com, who wrote a book about Alabama's 2020 National Championship in its COVID season. And I said, that's a miniseries. Because the best thing, of, like the thing that's good about winning time, and we talked about it a little bit on the, on the last podcast, is that it takes a big picture thing. It takes the Showtime Lakers. It takes Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And it gives you a lens in which you can look at them. Because when you look at big picture things, you've got to zero in. So you're telling the story of something that mattered over the course of 15 years, but you're zeroing in. They're, talk, they're doing it on Magic's rookie year. I think to tell a Nick Saban story by zeroing in on the 2020 season, the COVID year, some of the things that happened off the field, that particular team, you get to tell the greater story of the greatest coach in college football history, but you have a lens. So gentlemen, I am opening the doors to our texters to pitch us the ideas for what the Ohio State miniseries should be. What is the tale that you would tell over 10 episodes that would encapsulate something about Ohio State football? Are you doing Woody Hayes? What season? What era? What are you telling? Are you doing an Urban Meyer thing? Are you doing a Jim Trestle thing? Are you doing something based off a great achievement? Are you doing something based off one of Ohio State's scandals? Are you doing Chick Harley? Are you doing the hiring of Woody? I want pitches, Nathan, And then once we have the pitches, we own that pitch. And then we, the three of us, get rich off the backs of our texters, which is the whole point of this whole text thing. It is a long con for people to pay us to be tech subscribers and then pitch us ideas that make us millionaires. Now, listen, we're just going to be executive producers. You're going to get some scratch, too, once we take your great idea to HBO. But I want to hear Nathan. I want to. I want our texters to pitch us, and then we'll read the best pitches on this podcast and decide what could possibly be the best Ohio State football mini series, and then we'll take it out to the world.
2: So it's just Ohio State football because George Clooney's already claimed the. Uh... The Jim Jordan, okay. So uh, no, I think it's a great idea. I think um, it, we'll have to come up with our own. We've copied so many other things from Bill Simmons. We'll have to come up with a bastardized 30 for 30 like title.
1: Yeah, no, no, but no, but but I don't want it to be a documentary. It's not going to be a documentary. I'm not no it's with Bill Simmons. You want a docu series? No, I want it to be like, like Winning a, Time, a dramatic, it's based series, on right? a true story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're going to cast it then. Once we have the oh. idea, then we'll cast it. And then we'll write the episodes. I can watch TV show. So
2: Some of those have been better than others, though. You remember when ESPN was getting started trying to do some of those and they came. They looked very amateurish. But so what compared to what HBO is doing now? Um, yeah,
1: No, no, no. Only the highest production standards for Buckeye Talk Studios. Stephen, you know what I'm talking about. BTS. I mean, we we are top <laughs> of the line. Only the best. I got we'll do it on our cell phones. Right. I mean, I, I yeah, guess we won't yeah. film myself. But don't you think we should get some good ideas for this, Steven? I'm curious to see what the texters come up with.
0: Um, I kind of already have one. The 2011 season. It's just like, and it can almost be like a first-person viewpoint from Luke Fickle of like navigating that madness. Because it's like the, the whole point of the winning t- time series is like, what's going on on the court is irrelevant. Like, we know what happened. They won some championships. Magic's a Hall of Famer. Cream's a Hall of Famer. It's more about who these people are and what kind of chaos was going on while he's trying to get that off the ground. It's kind of the same. That's what I think of when that 2011 season. It's like, who cares that they sucked that year? We know the reason they sucked, but, like, from Luke Fickle's standpoint, what was it like navigating through that? That would be interesting. So there's my idea that I didn't have to pay $3.99 for because I work here.
1: Not, uh, maybe not as uplifting. Right? Maybe not as uplifting. It
0: is because we know what, the, what comes out on the other side. Urban Meyer can be in it. He's just working at ESPN.
1: Well, you just said the main characters Luke Fickle. He didn't get the job. We have to wait the, the epilogue at the end of the. I mean, the to be fair. The and then Luke Fickle made the playoff with Cincinnati a decade later. To be fair, the head coach of the Lakers didn't have that job very long either. No, I just watched the the head coach. of The Lakers is that's that's a crazy that's a crazy part of that series. okay, Uh, point point taken, point taken. Um, so anyway, so that's a pitch. So Stephen has pitched uh our 2011 series so uh, season. So keep it in mind. Percolate, percolate, percolate. Maybe some of the best pitches, we'll even have the texters come on and and we'll sit in the pitch room and they can make the pitch firsthand, but we'll read a lot of the best ones. I'll send it out to the texters and say, send send us your ideas, and then we'll do a podcast or two on uh, all the best ideas, and then we'll vote. We'll vote on what the best pitch is, and then we'll send it out. We'll send it out to the world and try to make some money. I wouldn't say, Nathan, that I'm looking for Buckeye Talk Studios to be my primary income. A nice little thing on the side. You got a baby on the way. You'd like to be a little executive producer on the side, A little extra scratch. Not a bad idea. Hey, you want
2: to sit back and sweep up cigarette butts at uh, Disney World and just have this income producing without yeah. any effort on your part? I understand yeah. it. People
0: smoking at Disney World?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I see. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. It just I'm not going. I'm just going to clean up vomit off, off the oh, after okay. the roller Yet to be mm-hmm. to be specific. Okay, so uh just super excited about about bts so we'll get merch for that too buckeye talk studios very exciting cornerbacks and safeties i'll let you guys guide this a little bit um you were more heavily involved than i was today because i forgot i had a radio interview in the midst of interviews not the best nathan where do you want to start we talked to eight or nine different players where do you want to start with something interesting we should discuss about the ohio state secondary
2: I guess we could start with Josh Proctor. He he maybe stands a little bit alone as a, a topic in some ways. And a guy who his presence obviously his conspic his absence was conspicuous in twenty twenty one and his return is one of the big reasons for I think optimism at the back end of this defense in twenty twenty two. Because now instead of him being like kind of the only veteran presence at the back of that defense. Now he's this veteran that is sitting atop this more interesting mix of young talent that either got some experience or is, is ready to make its first steps this year.
1: What do we think is the upside still here for Josh Proctor? Steven, do you think we've seen much of the best of Josh Proctor or were we just starting to see it last season? Then he got hurt in game two.
0: I think we were just starting to see it for what it meant for that team and that defense. Um, it was a bad defense, but I do think losing him, whatever potential it did had kind of went out the window. Um, but I don't even think any of that matters this season just because there are so many guys who did get experience. But then also we're not 100 percent sure where Josh Proctor is playing. I know he said, um, I went back and listened to it, that he and Ronnie Hickman are interchangeable, and he's kind of repping at both the adjuster and bandit, which are just free safety and strong safety spots. So he can he's got experience at both of those spots anyway, back to the 2020 season. But until you have like a concrete answer to where he's playing, it's kind of hard to say, you know, to have really that much of an opinion on how much he impacts this defense because Josh Proctor has a strong safety and Josh Proctor as a free safety impact this defense in two totally different ways.
1: Do we have any sense, Nathan, of what Josh Proctor thinks? Is he going to be the adjuster center field?
2: No, he said the same thing. I mean, they, 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 he sees him at both spots. And from what I saw, Ronnie Hickman said something very similar that maybe he was even playing more adjuster, but that he sees him and Proctor at either spot. So I don't have a a great, uh, my assumption all along was that the adjuster was going to be Proctor because that was more resembled what he did last year. And the bandit seemed to more resemble what Hickman did last year. But I can also see those guys being interchangeable enough that the opposite could be true, that Hickman could be the one that they decide is more suited for the adjuster, partially because I talked to Josh about this a little bit today, like he's kind of come full circle if he ends up at the bandit because he came in, he was recruited to be a more of a strong safety. And then very quickly the defense adjusted to where there was only one safety back there. And it was like, well, you got to be able to do this or there is no place for you to play. And he was just finally like becoming that kind of safety that they needed him to be when the injury happened. So it might be the best fit for his natural skill set to be more at that bandit than at the adjuster.
1: Stephen, what do you think the big difference would be about how different how different the defense would be depending on where Josh Proctor would line up
0: the i mean it's just like with Mike and will the main difference is one guy's the quarterback of that you know unit and is calling out plays and has to basically be the brain trust of that unit while the other guy just gets to go be the athlete and the you know high level player and I think when Josh Proctor is able to just be that high level player. There's some upside there because he can make plays. I think from the way Jim Knowles has talked about Ronnie Hickman, he's probably better, even with him almost having hundred tackles last year. And that's just because the defense sucked. He seems better suited to be the adjuster Jordan Fuller type player in this, in this defense.
1: Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. And then you get maybe Proctor a little closer to the line of scrimmage sometimes yeah. making some plays and Ronnie Hickman is just back there making every sh- making sure everybody's in the right spot, making sure nothing goes wrong. And if something does go wrong, I'm going to prevent it from being a touchdown. Um, yeah, I could, I, I could see that. Okay. So, and again, Josh Proctor, there's just no reason for anyone to have any hesitation about Josh Proctor in August, full go, let's go, doing his thing.
2: He didn't express any. He said he's about 80, 85% right now. I think more than a a physical barrier right now, there's almost more of a mental barrier for him because they're installing a defense that he can't really fully rep yet in practice. He's limited. They're not letting him do everything. So he gets a lot of what he calls teaching reps where you're just kind of walking through stuff, but when there's more physical stuff to do, he doesn't get to be involved in that. The good thing is he's a senior. He, he Even though it's a new defense, uh, he knows the lay of the land a little bit. Maybe isn't going to like... I would expect him to to, to be a little bit up to speed with that by the time you get, you know, four months from now when the season's getting ready to start. So I I think there's every reason to be optimistic that he should be fine. Once the season starts, we won't see him Saturday. I would imagine though, a week from Saturday in the spring game.
1: Okay. All right. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Talk more about the secondary after this quick message from Buckeye talk studios. (laughs) Did I take the time to do a fake commercial? Did you just listen to one? Probably not. I don't think I probably just did a fake commercial. If I'm really inspired, maybe I did, but probably not. It's just been a long week. All right. Steven, who you want to talk about?
0: Let's talk about Jordan Hancock. as then we can flow right into Caitlin Johnson after that. Okay. So the, the recruiting pedigree is obvious, right? The number 73 player, the number five cornerback in that 2021 recruiting class. And from the way Ryan Day has talked about him from the way Jim Knowles has talked about him, we haven't gotten a chance to talk to Tim Walton about him yet since he's gotten a chance to get his hands on him, but I'm pretty sure he'll probably have some raving reviews about him too. Jordan Hancock's next. And when I watched that student appreciation day practice with Cameron Brown, who has also been limited, not necessarily doing the competitive periods during practice, Hancock runs with the runs. It's him and Denzel Burke. And he's on the right plan of how they expected this would go when it was clear he wasn't going to enroll early, show up in June, fight to get on special teams. And then in January, it's go time. It's, you know, getting there with coach get the get the necessary physical development, and then you should be ready to play football in year two. And he, I asked him flat out, are you on that plan? Does that does this sound like the right plan for you? He said, yeah, this is exactly what they wanted for me. Um, He loves coach Walton just because he said that Tim Walton is more, Technical than Kerry Combs was. And that's what happens when you spend 12 years in the NFL. You probably do get a little more technical with things. He said that with Coach Walton, it's a lot more of the reason why things are happening. It's like, okay, this is why you won that rep, or okay, this is why you got beat on that rep, instead of just like, you know, teaching techniques and that sort of things. But As we've talked about all along, a lot of these sophomores might need to step up and have roles this season. When you combine what Jordan Hancock is going to be able to do this year, which Kalen Johnson might be able to do this year. And as he was talking about with the defensive line, whether it's the edge guys like JT and Jack or the interior guys like Talik Williams and Mike Hall. They're getting pressure in a way that they didn't get last year. And you combine that with an upgraded ability from the coverage situation with the cornerbacks. Ohio State's defense should be able to get back to what we've
1: known Ohio State's defense to be outside of the past two seasons. So when I got to talk to Jordan Hancock a little bit, he said his football intelligence is his number one skill, which fired me up because that I've just, I've been on that, we've been on that kick all spring. And so the idea that the secondary is doing battle with CJ Stroud in practice, Jordan Hancock loves that. He was saying there are times when they'll be in the film room watching what happened in practice. And they'll say, we played perfect coverage and CJ still completed it because that's what NFL quarterbacks do is what Jordan Hancock said. So uh, he likes the aggression of the defense. He feels like the corners are going to be in situations to make plays, which is one of those things. He talked about your, you know, your disguising coverages, you're mixing zone and man back in the day when Ohio state was, you know, several years ago now when they were playing almost man exclusively, It doesn't give you the chance to sort of read quarterbacks and break on the ball and feel like, Hey, we're in their head a little bit. And so I think all those kind of things, Jordan Hancock was expressing, he thinks they're going to be able to do that. And Jordan Hancock's fired up about that because Jordan Hancock likes the way he thinks about the game. I think he has a belief in his own abilities to have that chess game with the quarterback and then be aggressive within it. So he feels very fired up about this. And again, Nathan, it's just a reminder of this is what a great defense has. He's a top 100 recruit who sort of had year one to get his feet under him, played some special teams, and now he's ready to get after it. And he's a very athletic, very intelligent second-year college football player that should make this Ohio State defense better. And so I like that Jordan Hancock is excited about how he fits in what Jim Knowles wants to do. And it feels like there's just an opportunity of the player bringing out the best in this defense and the defense bringing out the best in a player. And I think Jordan Hancock in the end, Nathan, might encapsulate a lot of the new era of defense here. That he had one year of the old thing. Here comes Jim Knowles doing his thing. And it's expressed through the ability and the intelligence of Jordan Hancock.
2: Yeah, that may be true. He's someone that I think we all expected would be rising into a bigger role this season anyway, but I definitely agree with you about how intrigued I am by the head to head between this explosive offense and this new defense, this not only young defense. So it's some playmakers getting maybe their first chance or a bigger chance in practices and stuff to stand up and get their reps and make their plays. But then also the new things that, that Jim Knowles is throwing at them. A lot of times the iron sharpens iron stuff. I, I roll my eyes at that. No, I don't roll my eyes at it, I guess. It, it is true, but every program says it. It's not, you know, Ohio State says it and people think it's like, oh, it's like a unique thing that they say, but it's not. Every program says that. So it, it that, that is supposed to make you better. But I think in this year – this defense for the first time, showing this offense things for the first time, showing this quarterback things for the first time. I'm I'm very intrigued by how that helps that offense get better for this fall and how it either accelerates maybe some of the defensive development by the way it pushes them, or does it complicate it? I don't know. Is it is it hard to put in install a new defense from the base up when it's C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba going laser show in practice and the teachable moments can be more difficult. I, I don't know. We'll see that. It'll be something to revisit in July and August.
0: I did ask Jordan who gets more wins on a day-to-day basis between the receivers and the corners. And he started smiling as if like he wanted to admit that they've been getting the best of us at times, but he said that they, they get their fair shares of wins too. So it's, it, it's.
1: It, he was talking you know. about being a playmaker. I said, have you gotten to pick six in practice yet? And he was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, but, but I like the idea, the idea that the Ohio State secondary is watching film and saying, we played that exactly right and still gave up a completion because it's that freaking guy on the other side. That feels real to me. Mm-hmm. And that when it's not, it's like, hey, if, if the Ohio State secondary takes into the season, hey. You better be C.J. Stroud good if you want to do something against us, because if you're not, we like our chances.
0: And there's that's only one guy a, like that. There's only one other C.J. Stroud out there, and the only way you play them is if you get the, the playoff, and possibly the only way you play them is actually if you get to the, the SoFi Stadium next January. So, so, so I think so. it's like uh, yeah. we like our chances. If this is the guy, if this is what it takes to beat us, then like we like our chances the other 14 games of the season.
1: And listen, there are days, there are times, and that's what, again, what we've always talked about. The days when Ohio State loses are often the days when the opposing quarterback does a pretty good impersonation of a C.J. Stroud kind of guy, right? Nate Stanley at Iowa, I think, had the best game of his career the year that Ohio State lost to Iowa. David Blau at Purdue had one of the best games of his career. Now, he's an NFL quarterback, but he had a great game against Ohio State that day. You know what? I kind of bought in to Anthony Brown from Oregon like all year because he kind of did some things that pretty well against Ohio state. He's not CJ Stroud, but a play here and there. So um, yeah, it, it, you, they're not gonna uh, give up easy stuff. It feels like, which is, I mean, that's not saying much. That's what most good defenses say, but I just really like that idea. So then let's fold in Jekyll Johnson, JK Johnson. I think it's fair to say, right. Not quite on the Jordan Hancock level because he battled some injuries last year. But we are going to wind up lumping these two guys together because they're two corners in the same class, both top 100 guys. And it's funny that maybe we didn't lump Denzel Burke in with him, with these two guys before, because Denzel Burke wasn't rated as high as them. And now we're not lumping Denzel Burke in because Denzel Burke's like a sure thing. Denzel Burke's their number one. He's in the same class as these two, but he's started for a whole year. They haven't hancock and johnson are on the same track kind of but it also makes sense why hancock's a little bit ahead maybe
2: well yeah and at least hancock got on the field last year like johnson that was the bulk of our conversation with him today was that it was i wouldn't say a lost year for him but much of it was spent hurt he got into the akron game he said it was maybe the second play that he got to actually make a hit and he made a tackle and he uh fractured his shoulder and was out for most of the year then was really unavailable the rest of the year and that's a bummer for i think any true freshman that you have to sit and watch you know court williams went through it the year before when he missed literally the entire season and it's it's tough mentally you're seeing denzel burke go out there and do his job and get accolades and and beyond that just be the reason that Ohio state was winning football games and you're seeing even Hancock get like some more special teams time, like being more of a contributor and then you're not really able to do anything. So I think you could just tell in his voice, the the way he talked about it, what a, what a bummer that was for him and how he had to kind of bounce back from that mentally. But then also you're trying to learn so much. You're, you're the the water's so deep for you as a freshman and you finally feel like you're getting some breathing room and then that happens and you have to kind of restart that, that process again and get yourself back to where you're on track to where you're supposed to be here in year two. But it seems like he's, he feels pretty confident about that. And he knows that the, the numbers in that room are small as you and I talked about the other day, Doug, it's whatever six scholarship corners and a couple of them are two freshmen. So a, the better that he is this year, the better Jekyll Johnson is this year, the better Ohio state's chances of winning a national championship. Really? Like I don't know how many players on the team that you I guess wouldn't say that about but you could to have a because again we talked before about where Cam Brown is and he's had trouble being healthy and even if he stays relatively healthy for a year he probably can't play a full workload so Jalen Johnson even if you're four you're also always still kind of three or three and a half like you have a big role in this defense I think this year uh, Ohio State wants them to have a big role if you can have a, a fourth cornerback that you can trust it makes his defense better
0: yeah, I I get from an actual body sitting in seats in a classroom standpoint. Six is a small amount of cornerbacks, but they've got four playable corners, which is plenty good
2: enough.
1: I don't well, know like, the, but until but, they but don't if,
2: have a fourth one.
1: If, if Cam Brown's hurt and somebody else gets the flu, now your third corner is a true freshman. That's like what we're talking. Right. Like Healthy. Yes. Healthy. Four corners is enough, especially when you're not counting the slot corner as a corner. But you know, especially when one of the top four has kind of an injury history, you might be in a spot where Jair Brown or Ryan Turner has to be on the field for a game a little bit if you get a little haywire from a health standpoint.
0: Or the, the three guys who are healthy then just all take that leap, and it's 2019 where Jeff Okuda and Damon Arnett didn't come off the field.
1: True. That's possible.
0: You know, I mean, it's and, one of those you, things. you don't have to rotate if you don't You like you. Are, we, we talk about you rotate from strength, not from weakness. And so if you don't feel like you should rotate, then Denzel Burke and Jordan Hancock and Jalen Johnson, if Cam Brown can't go that day, those will just be the guys out there.
2: No, that's true. It, but not, not, to talk Hay- but not to yeah, talk ourselves in circles, but we don't know if there's a Chase Young on the front of this defense either. And we know there probably isn't. So that's why I think they need more than two, because three makes two better, if you understand and four makes three better.
1: And Ryan Day says they want eight corners. They have six and two of the six are true freshmen. Mm-hmm. So they, they are under where they would like to be ideally. And the reason they're under is that they recruited three corners in the class of 2020. And the class of 2020 is the class that should be hitting right now. That's your third year, guys. I still think mm-hmm. in the end, you win national championships on your third year, guys. And they had two of them are gone. Ryan Watson, Legend Cavazos, and the other one, Cam Martinez, is a nickel safety right now. So they don't have any outside corners of third-year guys, which means we're talking about two second-year guys. No, excuse me, three second-year guys in your top four, And that, that, they seem fine with that. But there's a little less room for error. So, um, But the idea that the bulk, the bulk, 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 even if stuff goes wrong, Stephen, bulk of your corner snaps are going to be from those top four guys. And you believe in those top four guys. I agree that that should be enough. Barring, you know, some kind of catastrophe is, they're just going to have to build up the depth again in recruiting. Yeah. Cause again, the room as a whole is a little small.
0: Which is, I think they understood that. I mean, the moment that we can look at the legend Cavazos transferring thing as like, Oh, they lost a the body. Or we look at it as that guy. realized that the two, three guys who are younger than me are better than me that there's, that's the optimistic way you can look at it. And that's, it's a man, you lost the body, but that should tell you something about not only the way that they think about these three corners, but what they're actually doing on the field that legend tried to be an outside corner. It didn't work out. And then he tried to be a nickel and it didn't work either.
1: And again, we're talking about Ryan Watts was number two Oh two in the country. Legend Cavazos was number three, five, two in the country. And then Cam Martinez who Kerry Combs had to come in after he got hired and reel in. Was three two three in the country. We all thought Cam Martinez probably is more talent than a guy ranked in the three hundreds. But still, that was it's the you know we've said it a million times here. It's it's the recruiting dip that we're talking about. They dipped a little bit, and it turns out the guys who were in the dip left, and so now they're out of the dip. And we're talking about Jalen Johnson, Jordan Hancock, who are top one hundred players, and Denzel Burke, who played like a top one hundred player last year, and it's fine. They're good to go, but. You are missing those third-year guys in that room. Will that come back to haunt them? Probably not. Probably not. But it still remains. They have six guys in that room. I do want to talk about Cam Martinez a little bit because I was with him slightly. We'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. 614-350-3315. We have a new reason to be a tech subscriber. You get to pitch us your mini-series. And also, we have a bracket coming. So fun stuff this offseason. We'll get to that as we start to wind down spring football here at Ohio State. Cam Martinez out there. I was with him for a little bit in there as a nickel safety behind Tanner McAllister. Feels like it suits him. He did say he's still moving around. It's one of those things. I think we are at that stage where at the moment everybody talks about how they can do everything and everybody moves around. And then actually you get down to brass tacks and guys have positions and they do a certain thing because you want to be an expert. Not a thing. I do think as much as I just said, Hey, if you have, if Cam Brown's hurt and somebody gets the flu, now your third outside corner is a true freshman. I do think maybe then your third outside corner will be Cam Martinez for a day to get you through a day. Right. I mean, I don't, He said, yes, I can move around. So as much as it feels like he's the second slot guy, he still would have that ability if you felt like, man, we maybe have some true freshmen who aren't ready to get out there. So it's, you know, it's not like they'd have to play. They're not playing Mike Hall at corner. You know, it's a guy with cornerback skills. So I do, you know, Nathan, we're just kind of waiting for Cam Martinez, the Cam Martinez show to come around. Right. And, And I do think he, he was talking about how they just moved everybody around last year. He was kind of a nickel. He was the cover safety for a while last year. Then he was a deep safety for a while. Now he's back covering guys in the slot. It feels like it's the better spot for him. And we've talked a lot about Tanner McAllister as the veteran guy who's like a coach on the field. It just feels like Kim Martinez continues to have great potential at this position, Nathan. I wasn't there for a ton with him, but I think he feels good about sort of being in a spot that suits his skills.
2: Yeah. It seems like a place where his athletic versatility would come in handy where the matchups fit him physically. There's a lot of things I think to like about it. I think there's a lot to like about him getting to learn under Tanner McAllister too, whether that takes a whole year or whether there's a something that clicks in over the course of this year where he starts to, to overtake him. I think that's a, a, from what we've seen from Tanner McAllister so far, it just seems like a, a pretty well put together guy, a, a smart guy, a guy who gets Jim Knowles and gets what this defense is about and can probably show and tell, but most importantly show, cause he's right there. Cam Martinez, the best ways to attack in this defense. So I it, it's, we do this a lot, right? Where there's guys who were just so tantalized by you start following them during the recruiting process and you're like, Oh, what's this guy going to be? And it's, We get impatient for like when they're going to get on the field and do the thing. And would this defense be as good in 2022 if it was just Cam Martinez and there was no Tanner McAllister? I don't know. We won't find that out until the fall. But I think there are reasons to think that Cam Martinez is on the right path to have the impact we might've envisioned for him to have at Ohio state. Eventually Just maybe isn't happening as quickly as we thought.
0: I think Cameron Martinez has a chance to really take some steps forward this spring. Because Lathan Ransom is also hurt, and we're not given when he got hurt, and it's like looking at Josh Proctor's like trajectory of how his injury is going. It's to say it's a broken leg. We're not really sure when Lathan Ransom is gonna be back and if he's gonna be ready for fall camp. But if he is, um, the last place Cameron Martinez wants to be in, unless they move Lathan Ransom to one of the other two safety spots, the last place you want to be with Cameron Martinez is equal with Lathan Ransom. Because that just means a healthy Lathan Ransom just takes that job back, and he's the number two nickel.
2: Possibly, I guess I could see. Would he be at all a, a candidate at one of those deeper spots? I don't know. Who Lathan? Lathan Ransom. Yeah. yeah, I think his best th- fit is at nickel, but could he be a bandit?
0: I think his best fit would be at a Jester or a bandit, but they obviously see some coverage skills in him to put him at, that they can't put them at nickel.
1: But they recruited
0: him to be a free safety.
1: Right. right, right. They let him cover Jalen Waddle.
0: Yeah. 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 (laughs) As a true freshman who basically played in his second game ever.
2: And the night of the Rose Bowl, Kerry Combs told me that when he was telling me that Ransom had broken the leg, was saying he was out for the spring. But the good news is he'll be back for the fall. And like Kerry Combs is a lot of things. He's not a doctor. So I don't know if that's still a reasonable thing to expect him to be back this fall and contributing this fall, especially when we've seen how long it took Josh Proctor. I mean, it's spring now he was hurt in week two and he's still not fully participating. So, and they're, they're kind of okay on safety depth now, which is an odd thing to be saying about Ohio state football, considering what we were saying just four months ago or whatever. So they probably won't rush him back. And I would think that going into next spring, maybe he's the guy that would be in that mix at nickel, but maybe he's a guy that, you know, Proctor will be gone. Hickman will be gone. They'll need people at the back end of that defense too.
0: Yeah, <laughs> okay, at depth. I mean, their depth at safety is a little much right now.
1: If we're being honest here, it's interesting. There's not a lot of sure things. Ronnie Hickman's a sure thing. That's not fair. Ronnie Hickman's a sure thing. I think Proctor's. I think Proctor's fairly sure. I mean, we saw a game and a half of him, like at his best, so. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I I think that's probably right. And, and the injury he had isn't something it's not a torn ACL where it's like, Oh, is he going to tear it again? Right. So I I don't, we shouldn't really have any reservations about him being healthy. So I think that's probably right, but there is still like some moving parts in there and usually a place like Ohio state, ideally when you have a bunch of interesting guys, a couple of them pop and becomes stars and a couple of them don't pop and maybe move on. So there, there is some uncertainty there, but the belief that, They'll have enough good safeties. I think there's reason to certainly believe that. We just maybe don't aren't exactly sure who the third and fourth and fifth best safeties are. The other guys that talked Friday were Cam Brown, Denzel Burke, Ronnie Hickman, and Tanner McAllister. Court Williams did not come out for interviews. Nathan, uh, we think he's been dealing with something. We don't really know. Would have been nice. Everyone will always like to talk to Court Williams. We have a handle, I think, on Court Williams. Works hard, great leader, captain on the field, beast in the weight room, um, looking for a spot. We think he probably is in the mix. We guess is one of the three top safeties on the back end, but uh, wasn't there today. No. And
2: like from my experience, like guys are usually okay talking about injuries. They like to be able to come back and say, here's what I went through. Yeah, it was tough. But I'm back now. But when it gets to be like year three, and that's – and the first thing he was going to ask today would be like, hey, you've been banged up again, right? Like what's going on with that? Like those guys are just – they're sick of it. They don't want to have to answer that again, and I, I hear that. So um, – but definitely an eye on him because as you're asking, like we don't know who the third, fourth, fifth best safeties are. I mean, we think he's one of those guys at worst, right? I mean, like I if I had to – if I were doing a depth chart right now, I think he would be a backup – safety to Hickman or Proctor, depending on which spot you put them at. Right. Like he'd be like the backup bandit, depending on who you put it bandit right now. That's my presumption. And maybe he could help at both spots. I don't
1: know. Any court Williams thoughts, Stephen? Yeah. Um, I don't know, man.
0: It's, it's hard. I, I want to see him play football at this point. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm, I'm over the, he works hard. He's a leader type of stuff. I think that stuff is great, especially when they first get here, because that means you're turning some heads. But after a while, and I think I said this uh, before last season, it's like after a while, the leader, he works hard thing, only gets you so far. I want to see if he can actually play football. So hopefully we get to see a little bit of him in the spring game. I think. Go ahead, Steve.
2: Josh Proctor was saying today, when he was talking about why last year was so tough to watch, he said because – of the leadership he could have brought. And it wasn't like Josh Proctor was exiled or uh, cast away or wasn't around the team. He was still around the team, but
1: he wasn't on the field. You got to lead on the field at some point. But I do think court Williams is a good football player. He's not a walk on. Sometimes I I get, I get, you know what I mean? Like sometimes when we hear about the work hard, good captain leadership kind of thing, it's walk on guys. And that's what I'm like, I get it. It's fine. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Let's play football. So we do think again, Rose bowl play, like we do, like, I'm not, I'm not saying Stephen that you were saying he was a walk-on, but like part of the reason we want to see him because we do think he's a good football player, Yes. but we, we want to see it and he wants nothing more than to show it to not to us, but to his teammates and his coaches. And he has, when we were there early in spring, he was at the front of drills in the safety mm-hmm. room. So, I mean, like he's, clearly he has done that at times, but for all, for the people who are going to go to the spring game and watch the spring game. And then when we get to the season, man, it feels like this guy could be a really good Buckeye. Let's hope that he gets to play and be himself.
0: Yeah. I think the spring game is always a good place to have like a list of show me guys. Um, And he's like definitely on that list for me. And that's not a negative. It's just like, all right, you're in year three. Like, let's, let's start doing this. There's a lot of people on that list for me, but we're talking about defensive backs right now. And he's probably of the defensive backs at the top of the list of like, show me why yep. we should still be this optimistic about you. Cause I still am. Yep.
1: All right. The other four guys, Cam Brown, Denzel Burke, Ronnie Hickman, Tanner McAllister, Steven, anything about those four guys you want to bring up? I don't know who was where we were trying to move around. Some guys we've already talked to some guys. We kind of know the deal sometimes when you're a great player, You almost aren't as interesting anymore. It's like, I get it. You're great. (laughs) Uh, I don't know what else to ask you. Like, we're curious about where exactly Ronnie Hickman lands, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, hey, Ronnie Hickman, you led the team in tackles. You're a very accomplished football player. I'm going to go talk to J.K. Johnson. (laughs) No offense to you. You're too good for me to spend 15 minutes with you. It's a compliment because you're established. Once you're established, you're not as interesting because yep, you're talented. You're smart you're reliable and you're going to start boom. That's the Ronnie Hickman story, but who else? Is there anybody else that you talk to you want to talk about Steven?
0: You know, especially when, you know, they're going to just do the same job again Um, to an extent I spoke with Tanner McAllister just because I wanted to get an understanding of when Jim Knowles was talking about the, the fake 12 stuff. And Mm -hmm. we knew what he meant by that, but I wanted to, from a, you know, a game plan standpoint, what that meant. He said, they called it speed 12. At Oklahoma State. And basically what it just means is um, it's 12 personnel, but like the wide tight end is just a like receiving tight end. And he brought up G Scott's name specifically because, yeah, he fits that. He's a wide receiver turned tight end. And so when that guy goes on the field, you know, they're probably throwing the ball anyway. So there's no reason for us to go to that four or three with the third linebacker on the field so we can just stay out here. Um, but there he did acknowledge that when you are playing now that I'm in the big 10 teams like Wisconsin, when they do put two tight ends out there who are basically just extra linemen, that's when you come with the sub packages. But then I followed up and said, so you can cover those types of tight ends, the Y tight end, who was a receiving tight end, the G Scott type of tight end to an extent, the Jeremy Rucker, Joe Royer tight. End, he said, yeah, we can cover those. So the nickel guy. So it's no point in coming out of our base when we know our nickels can cover those people. So that's something that would be interesting. He brought up Notre Dame. Notre Dame had a tight end who was like that, where it's like when they go two tight end sets, they kept that tight end out there. So they just kept Tanner out there to cover him. So especially since he gets to play Notre Dame again, that will be interesting oh, yeah. to see when Notre Dame does go 12 personnel, does whether it's Tanner McAllister or Cameron Martinez, just stay on the field.
1: I guess that's Michael Mayer, right? Best tight end in the country. who yeah. Who is that matchup? It is a lot of that stuff. I mean, they're having that debate in the NFL right now with Mike Gusecki. You played at Penn State and was that at Penn State. He's a tight end for the Miami Dolphins, but he wants to be classified as a receiver because then, when you're franchise tagged, you get more money. Mm-hmm. But it's it's almost, it's like you're a slot. It's like are you? A, it's like a big slot. Yes. I'm a big slot versus a skilled slot. Jackson Smith and Jake is a skilled slot. A tight end who flanks out there is a big slot. But if you have those, if you're big enough, now that would be interesting. I actually don't. How big's Tanner McAllister?
0: He's five.
1: That that is a. Go ahead. Keep talking. it Cause that is a little interesting to me. Like Nathan, I don't know about Cam Martinez against a guy like that. The Tamar Cam Martinez is a nickel safety who's supposed to cover that slack guy. But if a team goes, I still like fake 12 better than speed 12. I guess Jim Knowles was like, he was, <laughs> when he was there, he had to be nice. And now he left yeah. and now he can say what he really thinks here. Now when he talks about the big 12, it's fake 12 and we mean fake 12 personnel, 12 personnel is when you have two tight ends on the field. Fake 12 means, well, it's a second tight end, but the second tight end really isn't a tight end. So we don't have to adjust for them and put a different package on the field defensively. Speed 12 is the same thing. I don't, Cam Martinez is a little smaller. I like Cam Martinez against slot receivers. I don't know if I like Cam Martinez against a Y, against a split out tight end. Is Canner McAllister McAllister a little bigger than Cam?
0: No, I think Cam's put on some weight. Tanner McAllister is listed at 5'11", 192. And Cameron Martinez is 5'10, 190. And I, to okay. your point, that that was part of the reason why he wouldn't be out there on, on running downs. And they would keep Marcus Williamson out there because he wasn't good against the run. But if he's gotten stronger and they feel like he can handle a Michael Mayer who's listed at 6'4, 251, then, like I said, that's an interesting little wrinkle to watch.
1: If we do sort of what we did last year, I almost think we should go back and relook at it, Nathan, when we did the 50 best Ohio State opponents for the coming season. When we did that last off season, right, the guys mm-hmm. on Ohio State schedule, mm-hmm. like I don't know, I can't remember who we had number one, but like I don't remember where we had Aiden Hutchinson. He I was, was like, third. Oh. He was third. And Kayvon oh, Thibodeau
0: good. was one, and I okay. think Carl Loftus might have been two.
1: Okay, good for us then. Pretty that sounds good. right. Michael Mayer. Team. Michael Mayer might be one. People think like just because
0: of the matchup, yeah,
1: and because people might think be the he's best people the think he's people think he's George Kittle. You know, like he's, he's like a dude. And so uh, that will be really interesting. That's going to be a, that's a lot on Tanner McAllister's plate and Cam Martinez's plate right off the bat. And there's part of me that if you're going to play a little bit of a bigger guy like that, you know, who interests me potentially in that situation court Williams in that spot against Mm -hmm. a split out tight end of that size, who they're going to try to throw to 12 times. Because you know who would have been good at that? Probably Pete Werner. I don't know. I don't know. We're ahead of ourselves. We have we're ahead of ourselves. We're not X and Owing the Notre Dame game yet. But by the way, Notre Dame has the best tight end in the country, and he's coming to Ohio Stadium for the opener.
2: We we did a good job picking those top three, I would say. Our number four was Michael Penix. So youch on that. But and there was only one tight end on the top 50 that we did. And that was Peyton Hendershoff from Indiana. I think we had him like 30th. So it'll be interesting to see if that's a position that threatens Ohio State more this year than it did last year. Because you can look back over that schedule. And really until they played Utah, who was putting like 10 tight ends out on the field at one time yeah. or whatever, th- they didn't really face a lot of tight ends that it felt like were were really whatever. Yeah, good. Um, pretty. <laughs> or, well, or the, yeah. the, the, that they were
1: – well, I'm trying to <laughs> – that they they're, were exploiting, that they were exploiting Ohio state in some way. And listen, cause we've talked about already, we've had a lot of conversations about why they're going to have to get that third linebacker ready, because they're going to play Wisconsin and Iowa, the two programs that are tight end central in the big 10. And by the way, their non-conference opponent has the best tight end in the country. So like, this is a tight end coverage kind of year for this Jim Knowles defense. So that's, that is something interesting to talk about um, as we get into the off season. Anybody else? Nathan, Ronnie Hickman, Denzel Burke, Cam Brown, anybody we haven't covered on safety and corner day.
2: You know, the, we covered the only people that I talked to. I saw um, it was it Steven that you said that um, Cam Brown said that Denzel Burke's confidence is through the roof or something like that, which.
0: Yeah, he said he's always
2: something. Yeah,
0: he said he's always been confident, but now like basically he kind of knows what he's doing. So it's a lot higher, especially, I mean, yeah, you got thrown to, to the wolves last year and you came out alive on the other side. So, but yeah, it is saying something about a guy who when I asked him like flat out, are you a trash talker? He said, yes. And then looked at me as if "How dare you asked that question last year.
1: You, you know what? I, I, now this makes me want to do a list of swaggiest Buckeyes. I was just, I will, I, on the college football survivor show, we've been doing Mount Rushmore's of the college football playoff era. At different positions, the eight years of the playoff guys who have played in the playoff and based on your performance in the playoff primarily, but also kind of who you are, who are the best guys at each position, just like we did here on Buckeye talk with the best Buckeyes at each position. And we have done running back and we have done linebacker and not to give it away because it's on the, the Apple podcast subscription, but you guys are our loyal Buckeye talk listeners. So you get it. I successfully in the end argued for Darren Lee to be on the linebacker Mount Rushmore in the eight years of the playoff. Because there were a couple guys that were obvious, but Darren Lee was the defensive player of the game against Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. And I he probably should have been the defensive player of the game in the national championship game against Oregon. Tyvus got it. Tyvus also deserved it. But Darren Lee was right there. And I referenced the fact that on the day that the Sugar Bowl was played, like my big preview story was all about Darren Lee could be the guy that makes the difference for Ohio State against Alabama. And like his cockiness, And I think it's possible that Denzel Burke is the cockiest Buckeye since Darren Lee. And I mean that good cocky. I mean that like, let's go. My teammates know it. My opponents know it. Let's do this. I'm great. I'm not afraid of you. I almost seem like maybe I'm too young to be doing this, but I'm doing it anyway. And then I am going to back it up. Because Darren Lee started as a red shirt freshman, talked all year. And then was the defensive player of the game when they beat Bama in the playoff and backed up every part of it. I i don't I, I would have to rack my brain to try. I mean, listen, Damon Arnett like to talk, right? There are other guys who like to do it. But is that it's different
0: when you are doing it at an all American level?
1: Like you're at all, like you are a it's almost like. You are talking in a way that's like, man, you better be an All-American if you're going to talk like this. And it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. no, you are (laughs) like that. Denzel Burke, like you've played one year. What do you do? And he was talking like this in the midst of last year while playing as a true freshman. Uh, This is maybe and again, is cocky the wrong word? Probably because I like it. I mean, this all in a good way, but in a bring it self-confidence that I push out to the world and then back it up. That's the guy when we talk about Denzel Burke, the guy that I think of is Darren Lee.
0: I think Darren is still like that to this day. Um, oh, you
1: do follow on Twitter. Darren no, is mean, I like, no
0: oh no, <laughs> like I know. I'm in real life, he acts like that away from the mics. That's, that's how, how
1: do you how do you become a first-round draft pick linebacker after being a quarterback at New Albany High School if you're not like that? That's why yeah, Darren Lee. Yeah. I mean that's that's how Darren Lee became Darren Lee.
0: Yeah, I think. Denzel Burke wears it better because he's not trying to come off as cocky. He just has a very intense tone when he talks to the media where it comes off like that, because even when he got asked about uh, David Bell, if you actually listen to the way he answered the question, he was just like, I mean, it's nothing I can't handle. It's not like he was going out of his way to talk trash mm. about David Bell. He just got asked about David Bell and he answered it. But if you just see that on a graphic somewhere, you're going to think that he's talking trash. That's not at all what Denzel is. It's just I answer questions, but I have a very serious vibe to myself. And you're going to fall in love with it because, yes, I am a trash talker. Can you expound on that? No, just know I'm a trash talker.
1: But you don't think that Denzel Burke would drop a by Felicia on Lane Kiffin. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, no, he's not doing that.
1: OK, OK.
0: I know Jekyll Johnson would probably do it Ooh, Okay. on social media. He wouldn't do it in the media. I think
1: he needs to get more comfortable there. But he would in definitely real life to his face, so to his face. Would he buy Felicia might do his face? We should do that oh, for sure. Who is yeah, the most yeah. likely Buckeye to buy Felicia an opposing coordinator right in his grill? Yeah. Uh, OK, Nathan, anything else that we need to add on these guys? No, I think we've covered a lot. Listen, we can't get to everybody, as we always say. We've it's been a great spring of interviews. Again, kudos to Jerry Emig and Mike Bassford from the Sports Information Department, uh, giving us access to these guys. It's been a fire hose at times. It's like they they there are little, there are six tables. You walk into the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, they're finishing up practice on the indoor field. And there are six tables set up. And it's like, we're really going to have six guys talking at the same time. It's usually not all six going at the same time. But I definitely looked over today, and I think there were five going at once. And there might have been all six at once. And there are not six of us. So this is why it's wonderful that there is a gigantic Ohio State beat. If we didn't get to somebody, if we didn't write about somebody, if we didn't talk about somebody, somebody else certainly did, whether you know all you guys know all the other sites that cover Ohio State. So between the 50 of us, uh, we got to everybody. So we will continue to write about that. We don't have any more interviews. But we got a lot of stuff backloaded. So keep reading cleveland.com slash OSU. We'll keep writing about these guys. Next Wednesday, we'll have Ryan Day. And we'll get like a final, final preview of what the spring game is going to be like. And we will have a spring game draft next week on Buckeye Talk. It will be the fighting Baby Bears against the fighting five-star Stephen Meanses. I only talk to superstars, Stephen Means. And we will do, I also missed an opportunity. I took photos this spring of Nathan Baird talking to Josh Proctor, Stephen Means talking to CJ Stroud and Bill Landis talking to Donovan Jackson. And I said, I should have done enough to make a Panini card set. Now I know Panini, what is it? No, Panera, Panini. Who's the thing? Panini. Oh yeah. You're Mm -hmm. the card guy. They don't put the card in the Panini, right? It's not like you, it's not in a Panini. No, or it's not in a panini, but it's a panini. Is it a panini restaurant that puts out sports cards? No, no. It's just coincidentally, the name of the sports card company is panini. Well,
2: it's like if you buy a um, Mercury car, it wasn't made on the planet of Mercury. It's just a name.
0: That's <laughs> the most frustrating question I've ever heard you ask.
1: But why? But of all the words in the world, you name it after a, a grilled sandwich. It'd be like if you had, it's like, oh, what kind of what kind it's of Italian?
2: Card I, I'm buying yeah, it's an Italian, Italian. It's an Italian company. company. Yeah.
1: And Why are they making baseball cards in America? Make make well, it just cards.
2: they're not oh, making corporations, they're, corporations they're, buy each other out.
0: They're literally not making cars in America. They're stations in Italy. They just also happen to be sold in America.
1: But they're making like college football the, cards. Mm-hmm. I mean, they make. What do they like about college football? sports they're, cards? They're they're just, they, just do,
0: they just do sports cards in general. It's not necessarily only about college football.
2: I assume they hire someone who does know about football. Yeah, it's it's a
0: global brand. Know, at
2: this Probably, point. What,
1: you know, what we should do. <laughs> <laughs> I can get very angry about. I don't like it. I don't uh, like
0: uh, how- uh, uh, uh. I can get very angry, <laughs> period.
1: Yeah, Buckeye talk. Yeah, for right. <laughs> No, but it's just like we got it. it. We don't. We got an Italian company. We'll we'll make the sports cards here for the sports cards, for the sports in America. Like I just, uh, panini. Oh, it's well, a. What, we don't have a. We don't have a grilled cheese baseball card company. Oh, what kind of grilled cheese did you get? I got a Mike Trout grilled cheese. What do you mean I got a Mike Trout? Oh, grilled cheese is just the name of the card company. There are there are cars. There are Subaru cars being driven
2: all over this country right now that were built in Lafayette, Indiana. Like. It's a it's the the foreign company owns a thing that happens in America. And we are Americans own things that happen in foreign countries. It's a global marketplace. I think
1: when it comes to sports cards, I'm officially anti-globalization just in that very one specific niche.
2: Well, you should know that there is a company called Fanatics. You're familiar with Fanatics because we put those Fanatics things in our they are buying out the license. They bought out the license for baseball away from Tops. And then they basically bought out top so they can keep using the tops name for all the baseball cards. And they also are getting, I think the license for basketball and football cards. And so that will be an American company. I think fanatics is an American company To So, so don't worry. Unbunch those panties. It'll be American companies doing American
1: sports (laughs) cards. I do think we, I was thinking I, I, there's always an opportunity for us to expand our podcast options. And I do think, there would be room for you to host like a once-a-week sports card podcast. And then that way at night, if I had trouble sleeping, I could just turn it on and I would fall asleep in 15 seconds. Um
0: can I bring up one more football thing? What's that? Um, just because like I don't know how we got off the rails like this. Um, speaking of safeties, uh Kai Stokes, as we're recording this podcast, is the first freshman to lose his black stripe in the spring. Oh. And I've kind of been on that for a while. I That's a name to keep watching. And then it's too deep because that just seems like a guy who, in the name of, there's a lot of names in this, you know, safety room and they get ready out of another pretty big one in Sonny styles this summer. When we're not really sure what the too deep is going to look like. Kai Stokes is a guy to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah. You have staked, staked your claim on Stokes from the yeah. jump. So uh congratulations to Kai Stokes for that. Um so anyway, my I should have I was going to make the talking ball card set of individual Ohio State writers talking to individual players. And again, maybe Buckeye Talk Studios can can put that out uh, in August, but I will be on the lookout to try to take. And you have to you know, I mean, you kind of have to be doing a thing with a guy. Right. It's not a group thing. I don't want a group card. I want one writer, one player, the talking ball series from Buckeye Talk Studios. Look for it in August for now. For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice. Listen, we'll be back next week. We're going to have a recruiting pod next week, early next week. We're going to have the draft next week. We're going to have what Ryan Day has to say on Wednesday. And then, of course, we will have a post-game Buckeye talk after the game on Saturday. So we are, a, you know, we're still a week removed from that because the spring game is not this Saturday. It's next. Go to the spring game. Take your family. Go with your friends. Go by yourself. Go to the spring game. It's worth it. And then on the way home, get ready to listen to some Buckeye talk because we'll have a post game pod for that. Okay. And that was Buckeye talk.